This is a production of Cornell University. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 15 of the Cornell Turf Show this spring, 2022. Uh, we're going to have our guest today is Bill Kreuzer. Uh, he is the president of the Greenkeeper app, and he's also the superintendent of Jim Ager Golf Club uh, uh, down, out there in Nebraska. Um, you can follow Bill on Twitter at PGR Bill. Uh, he's got a lot of interesting video. He does a lot of extension and outreach and, and consultant work on Twitter as well. So a good follow for, for all the things we'll talk about today, I'm sure. Um, but as always, Frank, I'll let you get it started today uh, with, with uh, as always, our review on the weather. Are we still on the roller coaster? Are we not? You oh, never know. We're forget it, Carl. You that. know, you were on the conference call this morning. Uh, it is it has been a fascinating uh, run uh, this spring of roller coaster weather. But boy, you know, I want to just say before we get started, uh, golf course superintendents, many of them are exceptional photographers. I just have to say that, you know, I, I, I do it so much. I don't give enough credit, but I, you know, just pull these off of Twitter very easily. And it's so wonderful to see pictures like this. You know, this was, reminds me of everything, uh, you know, you got working on a golf course for getting up early and getting out there, uh, cutting grass in the dew, no problem seeing your lines. Old guys like me have a hard time seeing their lines without the dew. So I thought I'd put a couple of really funny pictures up, uh, this is the Binkle dog here on the left up in Canada in its first day. Look at the size of those paws. How big you think that dog's going to be, Carl? And then on the right, you got Jimmy Buffett cruising around a golf course in Florida, petting the superintendent's dog. I mean, don't you want to be a dog after seeing some of these pictures? All right, Carl, so get us going. Give us the BMP tip of the day. Yes, so one of the parts in, in uh, our project here with the RIT folks, Frank, is addressing nutrient management. And one of the, our pro tips, it's not even one of the things we uh, we looked at in our survey, but just getting your growth rate right. And, and uh, the idea of a consistent growth rate leads to consistent turf and playability. And our guest, Bill Kreuzer, we'll, we'll talk about that today with him. Um, but we've, you know, in the past, have we ever measured growth? Um, and what we started doing at the Cornell Golf Course a couple of years ago was actually measuring the clippings coming off of the, of the golf green. So this was the data, the first year we took this data, uh, we did it for two different greens. Um, and so you'll notice on this chart, uh, the the y-axis is the amount of growth in volume, uh, the clippings per unit area. Um, and you can see a little green range in there. I've got a green square from uh, 10 to 20. Uh, this is milliliters per meter squared. This is where the greens performed well. And so in that first year, we really just were kind of getting some data. Okay, what number are the greens performing well at? That was the, the range we liked. Uh, the problem, as you can see, is that growth very rarely was in that range. Uh, the, the black bars are precipitation, large precipitation events. Very frequently, we got a big shot of rain and growth would surge. And then it would take us a while to come back down and get back into our green zone. Uh, so when we looked at this the first year, we said, okay, we have to address a couple things. Uh, one of it was the PGR program we used uh, in the, the next year, the superintendent, Dave Hicks, uh, now retired, used a different PGR program. He would change his PGR rates. He did a little bit more with uh, the way he irrigated and also doing some cultural practices. So this is the data in year two. Once he got a little bit of that data under his belt, you could see that same green bar, right? 10 to 20. Uh, we spent a lot more time in that ideal range in, in the 2019 season. Uh, and this is a tool that he really liked to use, uh, trying to react to that sort of growth and alter your management practices, uh, responding to, okay, when I get a surge, how do I, how do I suppress growth? When I'm a little low, okay, how do I need to do maybe a little more nitrogen, right? So 
responding to that, getting your growth rate more consistent gives you more playing conditions. And a great way to do that is to measure the growth in the first place. Carl, before I let you go on this point, how hard was this to do? Why two greens? Talk a little bit about the way you went about this, because this is really fundamental to not only our conversation today, but what we think is fundamental to the way you should be uh, managing your playing surfaces. Yeah, and I think when, when people hear data, Frank, they think, oh, you know, what do I have to do to get that? And this was literally as simple as having a bucket that's got uh, volume measurements on it. After you mow a green, you take the, the grass in your, in your buckets on the mower, you dump it in there, you write the number down, you, you get on your way. It takes less than 60 seconds, really. Um, now, the thing that the reason why we did two different greens at Cornell, where there were two very different growing conditions, one's a very shady green, a lot of POA, actually velvet bent grass in that surface on the fifth hole, this uh, blue line here. Uh, and then the seventh green is just right out wide open. Um, and the nice part is those greens are kind of next to each other. There was an irrigation pump house that we put the the clipping volume bucket and the recording sheet in. So you can keep everything dry. You can have that as a centralized point to take your measurements. Um, so finding an easy way to start, kind of dip your toe in the water, I think is a great way to do this. Um, and, it, and it maybe sounds, oh, okay, how do I measure the amount of grass? It's literally as simple as putting it in a bucket. Right. I really like, I, I call, I really like how we bracketed it. It's like, we've got, you know, one green that's the poa green and that's that multiple species in, in the fifth green sort of, has times when it's well below other times when it spikes up it adds sort of the interest to knowing how site-specific management needs to be sometime and so i want to remind everybody right carl we're not going to be here next week mm -hmm. we're going to be in the field with tim Hahn and his crew and the gcs and gcsany walking around the links at graystone uh, and we'll be talking BMPs there. And I bet you uh, the superstar Rick Slattery might be in attendance as well. I know it's not that far from his house. So you may get a, there may be a sighting uh, of a Rick Slattery sighting. And, and that's always great because once we get going about the Red Sox and the Yanks, you, you, you never know. Uh, and there we are, Rick and I, the first twosome of the day, uh, the turkeys of the day that we'll find out there. Now, Carl, to your point about the roller coaster, Here's the April up and down, right? The April up and down, up and then down. And so you go one more step into the first week of May, right? And you can see where we're heading up, right? Heading up a little bit. But we already heard this morning that for us up north, we're going to start to see a increase, but down in the downstate area and to the south of the metropolitan New York area, uh, they're going into the cold weather again. It looks like uh, going down into much colder than normal uh, moving forward. So uh, last week, we had a slightly cooler than normal week inland and a uh, warmer than normal week, uh, I'm sorry, normal week along the coast, but still most uh, places cooler than normal, uh, not much growing degree day accumulation to the north. And when you think about it, as we heard this morning, it's really going to flip flop. Um, this coming week, it's going to be above normal warmth to the inland west of the Northeast region and, and cooler along the water. Uh, so you'll start to see a little bit more de degree day accumulation overall uh, as we start to warm, but, but there's still going to be nighttime temperatures in the New York metropolitan area into the 40s uh, over the weekend. It does not look like a great Mother's Day weekend uh, along the coast uh, in the Northeast, but uh, I've been told inland that my barbecue is safe uh, for my mom, uh, for not my mom, but 
my wife and her children and our children, right? So uh, last week, a little bit dry. I think we're starting to see this now, uh, a little starting, starting to get some deficits everywhere, but maybe up in uh, New Hampshire and Maine, uh, much of the rest of the Northeast did not get much rainfall and is starting to get into a little bit of a deficit. In fact, um, we had a little conversation this morning on the conference call about uh, burn uh, bans and how low humidity gets to be a problem in the spring around these sorts of things. Uh, maybe a little conservative um, in the way they predict it, uh, but, but overall we can see some drying occurring. Now, it does look like uh, some rainfall is going to be coming uh, along the coast in particular, and there will be places that will get, you know, as much as one to two inches. But in general, I think overall we're looking at a deficit uh, for much uh, or right around normal for much of the region with below normal, below normal precepts. So that could mean uh, some restrictions on growth. So I'm going to get a pattern going here, Bill. Uh, about growth as, as I bring you on. First off is where are the seed heads now, right? So if you've done seed head suppression, you can obviously see the benefits of where your thing, where your plan worked and where it didn't work because we're really into heavy seeding um, through much of the metropolitan New York area, New Jersey, up the coast of New England, uh, upstate still a little bit behind yet, but I would expect that to change uh, rapidly uh, this coming week. Now, the other thing is crabgrass. Uh, I did get some report uh, this morning that up against a building uh, up in Springfield in the Amherst area, there uh, is a, a couple of sprigs of crabgrass coming, but generally not very much yet. And obviously, if you're using pre-emergent materials, just to remind everybody, seed head suppression, growth regulator, pre-emergent herbicide, growth regulator. Um, here's something that's not a growth regulator, but something you want to keep track of, Ben McGraw is saying uh, a lot of places where downstate, especially where uh, peak adult emergence has occurred, where, where the forsythias were half green and half gold. Um, upstate, we're still holding, waiting for peak adults. Downstate has been variable, but we're still a few weeks from those of you looking for a larvicide application. Now, a little warning from the USGA that the roller coaster temperatures are keeping these adults on the edges of closer mown turf. And that could uh, consolidate a lot of populations and then intensify the damage if you miss them, right? So hopefully if they're all crowding in one spot, it allows an application to be more effective, uh, but also if you miss it, it could lead to uh, damage. Now, hopefully this is avoiding multiple applications of the same chemistries in the same spots. That's what we're trying to avoid. Now, I've started to add this little tidbit here because we are routinely going out now with insecticides, either for annual bluegrass weevil or for grubs, uh, especially as you get downstate. So you want to be careful. We do have a fair amount of plants in flower right now. You certainly can see dandelions in various stages of flowering. So you'll want to keep track of that flowering. And hey, it's as simple as mowing it off uh, before you're going to make an insecticide application. So hopefully you're mindful of that moving forward. The soils are still pretty cool. Uh, we did get some reports of 60 degrees down in the southern New Jersey area, but metropolitan New York is barely creeping into the 50s and into the uh, 40s still in many areas upstate, right? So this is also going to have a suppressive effect uh, on growth itself. Now, uh, uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, we talked with Mike Fidanza about fairy rings. 
uh, and how some of these soil applications are being made now. It still looks like we're pretty early for summer patch treatment, looking at the 65 degree trigger uh, for that. So again, keep in mind, a lot of these products have growth regulating properties as well. So you've got uh, seed head suppression, you've got pre-emergent herbicides, you've got some of these early season fungicides, you've got cooler temperatures. You know, you start to look at all the things that we do using growing degree days that might have some regulate, regulating effects. And Bill, uh, good to see you, pal. Uh, yeah. I will say, I'm sorry I got, caught you in, in between taking air in these great videos that you've been doing out at the gym Ager golf course uh your one just the other day was brilliant and a perfect lead-in right for what we're talking about here i love how you say you know i'm going to be a little careful so i'm gonna you know remind everybody about this wonderful blog article that you wrote in your greenkeeper blog recently uh, about overregulation. now you can for those of you that are you know frequent listeners to the program this isn't the first time we've talked about this, especially with Bill. We've even done it in, in lawn systems sometimes. But Bill, you, you, you showed your tool here in Greenkeeper that I want to take a minute and, and talk through with you. Now, the podcast folks are not going to have, you know, be privy to necessarily seeing the images. But essentially, I've got two graphs up here that are built uh, in your Greenkeeper app where you're essentially going through what you call a normal spring uh, application regime uh, in your neck of the woods out in Nebraska, which is, you know, I don't think is that substantially different from the kinds of things uh, we might be doing here. And when you start to look at the amount of regulation that occurs in total, when you consider many of these products have Greg, uh, growth regulation properties, you can see in the, in, you know, in the above graph here, the amount of stacking, as you describe, occurs. And, you know, you're approaching 80% growth regulation uh, right around the middle of May, right, as you build this program out. And so what you've done on the lower graph is show what happens when you adjust maybe the products that you're using uh, for some of these purposes or uh, the timing of when you do it. And so Bill, that's where I wanna start, pal. I'll, I'll put it on here. Here's, I'm really looking at best practices for spring uh, PGR use, recognizing that many things have plant growth regulating properties. Let's, you know, I, I just classified it as, you know, products, uh, programs, the growth overall and the transition. So. As I bring you in and look at you and stop staring at the screen, good to see you, pal. Hope yeah. all's well there. Um, let's start with you know your video and what you've noticed out there, because while we we've noticed the exact same things, I think uh, this way. Uh, one of the things I thought you said was telling, and let's start there. Weather could explain a lot of what people are seeing, independent of even a seed head suppression, right? Even yeah, a growth regulator. So let's start there. What are you seeing? And it is, you know, it has been up and down. That's something that Doug Zolat and I talked about when we were working together. And we would say, you know, it's crazy. You go out here one day and you have all these different research greens and they all look good. And then the next day they all look bad. And so they're all under very different management. Um, and you would notice that. And so it's notice it again this, this week, this, this spring. This spring has been... I kind of up and down, uh, pretty bipolar in temperature is going from one extreme to the next where 
in the 40s and 50s and then we're going to be in the upper 80s next week and it's just this is how it is in nebraska we go from winter to summer uh and so i think we have a lot of similarities honestly to a lot of the great lakes the mid uh atlantic and the northeast because we don't have a lot of warm heat in the spring and so we do have to be careful with what we're doing with our pgrs because the growth rate started surging last week when we were warm and wet and now it's gotten really cold and cloudy and I'm watching my clipping volumes are falling off a cliff again. And so until I get some real stability in my program, until that bent grass is really actively growing and continuing to grow, I'm gonna be kind of careful with what I'm doing because we can lead to some problems if we, if we just start willy-nilly throwing down products. And a lot of the standard spring programs can lead to a lot of, of overregulation if we're not careful. And so when you see this, right, it, you know, it starts with, how do you get folks off the train a little bit of saying, yeah, here's when we routinely put these things out when they're not managing clippings, right? I mean, it's been, has it been your experience that they're having these problems when they're really not looking at their growth as closely as they need to be doing? Is, is that the nature? Is that where you'd start yeah. saying to people, hey, let's start doing this first, like Carl said, Let, let's start getting this thing because you're literally flying blind. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the most important things that I do at Agar with our staff. We collect clippings now from three greens. Like Carl says, it takes one minute per green to do. Um, and I do my shadiest green, my sunniest green, and one in between. And it allows me to kind of capture what's going on out there. And honestly, I don't know how you fertilize and use PGRs without having that number. Right, we need to get back to what these products do, and that's suppress growth rate. And so let's use it as a tool and not just some little like plant health product that we just throw out at the same rate interval all the time. And okay, so, but, okay. But here's yeah. the point, right? The point is, even if they're good at that, maybe they've figured it out. Like you've probably heard from guys like I've heard from, I just go out every seven days. I can't be bothered. Right. Yep. I change the rate. Sometimes they can't be bothered. But what about the hidden regulation of these other products? That's the thing that I think your Greenkeeper app has done such a great job in highlighting for people that look what you're doing here. Yeah. And it's like, I think in your video or, or in the article, you say, well, I just extended it a week and I use this product instead of that product. And it's still got the same efficacy. So talk that a picture, little bit about the hidden regulation. That picture you showed before um, of the golf course in the foreground, that program was a standard PGR program for that superintendent on top of a couple of DMI fungicide applications and a couple of proxy applications. Right. And so, and he knew it, like at the end, he's like, yeah, I'm not getting any, any growth. You know, it's just like, you know, he wasn't putting those two things together until I saw that part of the back of the green that wasn't getting any proxy or it was just getting DMI. So there was DMI there, but there was no PGRs and there was no proxy. And that area was green. And he's like, oh yeah, when they mow there, they see that, that growth. So um, a lot of these products can have these growth regulating properties. So we've built models for both uh, cool season greens and bentgrass fairways. Um, I'm actually working on doing this in Bermuda grass right now too for the DMI uh, regulation because it can be pretty high. I mean, it can be as high as 30%, 40% suppression, um, which is similar to a medium rate of say trim it. So if you start going out there with those apps, um, that can be real sneaky. Even that proxy is getting you 10, 15% suppression. And if we're just applying it, say, on a two-week interval and right. it's been really cool like it has been, there's a chance that we still have some proxy regulation there from the first app. Um, and then we go out a day later and you're going to water in an application for your root diseases. 
and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have 80% suppression in a period of time when the grass isn't really growing yet because it's cold. Well, let we me let me let me just throw in here. Um, we're lucky we got bentgrass surfaces. I, I think we're learning we could use a few more bentgrass surfaces after this winter up here. Um, how do you adjust some of these things you're saying when you've got a predominantly annual bluegrass situation? Because in your in your video, you're like, my pole is hurt. My bent's okay. It's not growing, but my POA is hurting. Can you talk a little bit about these programs' impacts on POA? Because guys are putting summer patch down stuff because they're trying to keep their POA. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the bent grass has really slowed down. Actually, the POA is, is still liking this weather. It has been cool and wet, and so it's growing. And so my take home there is, even though we get in this habit of thinking, I'm going to use my class BPGRs right now, I'm going to be more aggressive on the POA it actually really is hurting the bent grass because the bent grass really is slow to grow. And so we're actually favoring the POA because it's differential levels of, of suppression. You have a grass that's already growing really slowly in the bent grass and you're regulating it. And then you have the POA that's making seed, like you just showed, I'm seeing seed heads are popping. Mm -hmm. Obviously the proxy apps this year with the weird weather we had weren't as effective as they are in more standard type years, at least in Nebraska, I'm seeing a so, lot of breakthrough. So, so, so with that said, I've heard this before, right? Trim it's sort of nasty on the bent grass in particular, right? Um, would you recommend a shift to cutlass that might not be as uh, rough on bent grass and might still suppress power or you don't like cutlass suppression of power? No, I'm fine with that. Um, the nice thing about your class B's are your trim it and your cutlass. Uh, they're both um, pre-emergence and, and post-emergence type control. The cutlass doesn't seem to have as much growth suppression as the trim it. The trim it really is the hammer. It's the one that I use the most in season to keep my growth rate where it needs to be because I adjust those rates all the time. But this time of year, you know, you can go with some softer products. So the cutlass materials would be a good option there. And it seems like from the herbicide data, that um, with cutlass, we see this reduction in POA, maybe not to the level of, of trim it, um, but still the second best of the PGRs. But again, we're, not, we're getting that as a side effect of not much growth suppression. So that would be an option or, you know, going with the, the, the new would be kind of that third. And then your, your primo would be kind of the, the weakest of all the PGRs, especially on, on hurting that POA. So, you know, right now I have some primo out there um, and I'm just kind of waiting for things to happen. I'm sure I'm going to see another growth surge. Okay, and, and that's my question. Before you go there, you guys are expecting what we're expecting. I think, Carl, we heard it's going to be in the 80s uh, on Wednesday, right? So how do you manage this where it's been damp, 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 and then whoop, it's going to go like this. Is there something you would do in advance of that, or would you wait till that surge starts to happen? How is all this regulation and damping we're seeing now going to manifest itself? When it yeah, that's a, it's a good question. And that's a, uh, a part of the, the puzzle that we're working hard to, uh, to get ahead of. And that's what like Doug Soldat's working with, with some of his clipping prediction models. Right. Uh, and something that we're building in the Greenkeeper right now. So if people are adding their clipping volume in Greenkeeper, it starts to learn how their grass is going to grow um, from this year's data. So that next year, it will see, oh, there's a big warm up coming or a big rain event. Because like Carl's data you showed, when we had the big rain events, we especially after a dry period, we see this growth flush. So mm -hmm. that prediction, even if it's a week or two weeks in advance, is going to be helpful because we'll see, okay, growth rate's going to grow up. So before I have that model, which we'll get maybe next year, with this year's data, um, I'm just looking at it from my past experience saying, okay, it's been very wet. It's going to get really warm. I'm going to get a big growth surge. So I'm going to go out on Monday with PGRs expecting that surge. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm watching 
my greenkeeper display there. And, you know, we've been talking about uh, growing degree to intervals for so long. Oh my God. Um, but <laughs> I'm kind of moving away from intervals now. With this model, you can just see the suppression. And if you need more, you can still go out on a Monday, but now you're going to see how is it going to stack? You know, that's a term that you coined years ago when we had these talks about PGR stacking. Yep. And, you know, I've continued to, to use that, that term. And so it's okay for me to stack on Monday because I know I'm going to get this growth surge out of it and I want more suppression. Um, and so, you know, some of the things we talked, you, you showed before mm -hmm. for in the interim when I had this cool weather, you know, I did an, a proxy by itself. Then I did mm -hmm. proxy with a new at a low rate. Um, stretched it out on my growing degree day intervals. So maybe it wasn't two weeks, but it was like three and a half weeks because of the cool mm -hmm. weather. And then I decided to use some of the newer DMI products like a Densicore versus maybe a Banner or Attorney that have a lot more suppression with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm constantly, you know, looking at that and figuring out how much suppression do I need. And that viewing Greenkeeper really allows you to see how all those things are stacking up and then how they're going to go uh, function in the future based on the forecast data and then the long term based on the normals data right because it's hard it's hard for these operations sometimes to be nimble carl i know you're chomping at the bit you got a question for bill well i, I think you transitioned right into it bill is the forecasting element I, I think is is where we're going with this and it's why it's very cool to hear you talk about forecasting clipping volumes because you know like the data i showed with with dave hicks and the cornell golf course it was very reactive right it was okay, today we got a little more, the next day, okay, now we're at like 20. And okay, now, and, and then I got to wait five days until my Monday, right? And this forecasting element, I think gets that next step where now you can plan a little bit in advance instead of being a little bit more reactive, like, yep. like we have been when you're just taking the data. Uh, so, so my question is those yeah. models, uh, you know, so you're, you're talking about learning based on on field data right and and that is the maybe the best way to to build it yeah so for example like from me collecting clippings for 15 18 years now we know that growth rates generally really slow in june and then they pick back up in summer when we have mineralization and so intuitively we start making those observations and we build that mental model your mental model then is increased with okay, we have a big rainfall. I, I, that's forecasted. I'm going to get ahead of it with PGRs, right? So what we're doing with Greenkeeper and um, what Doug's just finished his PhD student um, through is let's let the computers figure out all those crazy different, okay, the temperature is like this and it's this time of year and it's this grass species. I let it kind of learn. So all you have to do is just put in your clipping volumes and let Greenkeeper track what PGRs did you use, what fertilizers, what was the weather like, what time of year was it? And it will start to then learn. And then the more data you put in, the better the model gets over and over. So and it's just time, moving to the next level. And, then, and at the same time, Bill, right, this is what Carl, I like, you know, this is what he figured out from hanging out with Dave, right? You know, you got to spend a fair amount of time with Dave to get that range nailed down with him. I love yeah. him to death, my brother. But, you know, getting that range and performance is part of it, right? So you can put performance data into Greenkeeper as well. Are you able to tie in growth regulation, clipping volume and ball roll? Yeah, we're actually putting ball roll model. I hired my old PhD student who just finished the, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that's one of the things we're gonna work on so that say you're a superintendent and you have a tournament in a week and you need your greens to be rolling 12. Uh, Greenkeeper would, would say, okay, well, you need, you're gonna need to mow uh, every day and roll uh, 12 times in the next two weeks to get to that level. And your quality then is going to do this, yeah. right? It's just, it's, 
it's things that we're already doing in our head. Like our greens need to be faster. We're going to start double rolling. But now it's just saying, well, how many times do I have to double roll? Or does it make sense to mow in the evening or not? And so that's what we're trying to, uh, to do with this. So if we can just, the more data you can feed into the, the site, uh, the better it's going to be at predicting these types of things. Bill, it always goes too fast, pal. It's great to see you. Yep. Uh, Carl, uh, final comments from the, from the live audience or you want to get us out of here? I'll, I'll get one more question in, Bill. And, and I think for people listening who haven't ever collected clipping volume and maybe they've heard about it and they go, eh, you know, they, they got their own mental model. Um, what's, what's your pitch to saying, hey, here's why you should do this data. And I know we're talking about these models and they're going to predict what ball roll is. And yep. people in their heads are like, wow, I know how to do that. What's your pitch to those guys? So right now, if you track, first of all, it prevents people from being too reactive to seeing that the growth rate was really high in one particular day. And so if you're looking at it as a written down data series, you can actually see, are you trending up or down, right? So that's an important thing. And then the other part is if you keep track of your clipping volume for the whole year, we can make really nice assessments of how much nutrient was mowed, most mowed off, right? And so by balancing those two things, you're, you're actually gaining some better perspective over an entire year in terms of where your growth is going within maybe the next week or two weeks, but then also how much fertilizer did you mow off and did you at least put somewhere near that back down or not? And, and so I think that gives a, another level of visibility that you just don't have without tracking these data. I think it would be virtually impossible, Bill, to find someone who knows more about plant growth regulators than you do. It's always great to see you. <laughs> I just love this. I love how it's coming to these hidden uh, growth regulators because that's where I've consistently seen guys get in trouble, especially in the spring with the cavalcade of products that we get pushed to use for the variety of problems we think we might face. So good to see you again, Bill. Thanks a lot for joining us, Carl. We got to get out of here. It's 32 yep. minutes. Thanks. Thanks to Bill. Uh, thanks for featuring on today. Tomorrow, our episode will feature John Sorokin of Tennessee. We'll be chatting sports turf. Uh, just one more reminder. We're not on uh, next week's uh, episode We're we're going to be in the field up in Rochester. So if you're around us, uh, feel free to sign up for that GCSNY event, but no golf episode next week. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. This has been a production of Cornell University on the web at cornell.edu.